As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. Mercifully thankful that I was off today because <laughs> I got a very early flight in the morning to New York. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, who was mercifully glad he wasn't in the bullpen today. <laughs> Fuck. I, you know, I started, I watched the, the bottom of the eighth, and then I had to go pick my son up from school, and I just assumed the game was over. Everything was great in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah. For the for those who aren't aware at this point, you I'm sure you are if you're watching this podcast, but if you're watching it later and you didn't see, the Braves led four to nothing entering the ninth inning against the Marlins, were three outs away from sweeping the series and heading off to New York to face the Mets for the first time this year. And the game completely spiraled. The bottom fell out on AJ Mentor. AJ, who's had a horrendous homestand. Gave up five hits, gave up three runs while he was in, was responsible for the guys on base. Chavez comes in, gives up a double, two-out double. So that was two more runs on A.J.'s uh, ledger. So he gave up five runs in the ninth inning and the Braves lost, without recording the third out, and the Braves lost five to four. I mean, it was a shocking turn of events. It's as bad as it gets, you know, when you're in that role. To I mean, if you're not even closing at that point, that's almost a layup, you know, for nothing. Um, yeah. I, f- I feel for AJ right now because I've been there and there's nothing more frustrating. You know, I think where he's at right now, he's probably got to just be scratching his head, wondering what's wrong. Um, the only thing I'm seeing is, and we talked about this before we started, is that, you know, I think AJ's good when he's at the top of the zone and he's really good when he's at the bottom of the zone, but he's yeah. been at the belt, you know, a lot. The last... Uh, Last uh, feels like, you know, yesterday was good, but four or five outings, he's been at the belt a lot. Yeah, the numbers are really kind of staggering. I mean, this is a guy that had a two ERA at the end of that Padres series. Uh, Got a save on April 17th at San Diego. Comes home, pitches four times in this uh Homestand against the Astros and Miami, two against each of those teams. Gave up 10 hits 
10 runs all earned in three and two-thirds innings over four appearances. The one yesterday was perfect, as you said, got two strikeouts. The other ones were perfectly horrible. Uh, I had two innings against Houston, or one inning against Houston on uh, 21st. What's today? The 27th. So what? Uh, last Friday in the series opener against the Astros. Uh, pitched an inning, gave up two hits, two runs, including a homer. First homer he's allowed this year. Came back, pitched two days later against the Astros, another one inning, blown save, gave up three hits, three runs. A walk had three strikeouts, but gave up three hits and three runs in that one. Pitched a clean inning yesterday, and then today, just, he was he was torched, man. He gave up five hits and two outs. And like you said, he was just missing so much. The is the, the still 95 to 96, almost 96. So it's not like it's down a lot maybe a tick, but he was missing right over the middle of the plate and up in yeah. the zone. And that's not like him at all, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, fatigue doesn't always show in your velocity. It sometimes it shows in your command. Right. Uh, right. But this is where it gets really tough. Cause when you've been as good as AJ has been for as long as he's been good, I mean, that's why I just shut the game off and went to pick my son up. You know, you just figure he had a little, a little blip and he's going to be fine. And then it happens again today. But when you've been as good as he's been and then this starts happening to you, there's so many things that can cause it. And, you know, me personally, I don't miss trying to figure out that puzzle one bit for my career because uh-huh. I had years where I started off freaking terrible and I felt like I didn't change anything yeah. and then went on a tear. You know, so it's like this is the the place for him is do I start tinkering? Uh-huh. Do I need to just lock in mentally? You know, did, did I have I let my guard down? Have I got too comfortable? Do I need to focus more and make freaking pitches, which is. You know, if I was his pitching coach, that's what I tell him. You know, I'd be like, "Look, look at where the ball is. Look at, look at these places that you're getting hurt, and look at when you're good. You know, you make a lot. You can make a lot better pitches. Maybe it's a focus issue. Yeah, but maybe it's a mechanical thing that's causing him to miss. You know, three four inches high, <laughs> three four inches outside. Get too much plate. You know, so there's always and then if it's fatigue, there's always so many factors that come into and have a tipping. Yeah, my tipping, and it's all, and that's like I've talked about this before, but it's just a razor thin edge of a, a player being a great major league player and one little tiny theme being off and sucking, you know, like like yeah. b- borderline getting sent down, and that's what's so difficult about the game. And I, I just I don't miss trying to be like being in his shoes and trying to figure it out at all, not one bit. Yeah, and his whole thing is don't walk guys. That's yeah. when, that was the key to him is his improvement. When he got sent down to AAA the World Series year, he came back in his head. He was like, attack hitters, be aggressive all the time. Do not give free passes. So that's his goal every year. Come in and lower the – reduce the, the, the walks to almost nothing. Go at guys, let the defense work behind you. But they were hitting balls hard to where the defense was not today. Uh, and he's missing. Like I'm looking at like the Jazz Chisholm, the last hit he gave. Right down the middle, yeah. Cutter. 88-6, right over the middle of the plate. Yeah. After balling the dirt on 1-0, on the first pitch, rather. Yeah, and, you know, I think you can also watch when AJ's locked in and things are going his way, that ball gets fouled off into the net. You know, like, he, it's it's kind of a combination of, um, you know, maybe you're not hiding the ball as well. Maybe there's not the same life on the pitch and you're missing middle. I mean, it takes a lot of things to be – for things to go as bad as they're going for him right now. But you can watch film. You know, I, I'm going to look at it today. I didn't, I didn't really have time, but yeah, 
you can find something little, and this is what a good pitching coach does. You know, it's like maybe his stride is three inches toward the first base batter's box. And normally he's, he's straight toward the plate. You know, so you see something that small and that little tiny change causes him to have to fly back open to get back centered. And now you show the ball for an extra, you know, split second. And that little split second winds up all of a sudden you give up 12 runs or whatever he's given up and, and your, your mistakes are hittable now. And there's always just these fine little things, but I mean, uh, for me, it's like if, if I'm him, I just keep chucking it and I, I just kind of dial in and focus and say, this is where I'm getting hurt and I'm going to make pitches. And his, his logic of not walking guys, it plays because his stuff's so good. He's throwing 95 with cut left-handed. Yeah. Uh, previous, the previous batter was uh, Avisal Garcia and he got ahead of him on a called strike 84 six cutter that was actually right off the, out of the zone uh and middle uh, up it was also up waist high then he comes back um with a cutter 80 the first was a 95 fastball i'm sorry comes back with an 84 six cutter that was almost the same place it was outside but again it was belt high and it was it got in the zone just enough it was over the outer edge of the plate and he drove it if that ball's um, two inches lower it's probably ground ball to shortstop uh-huh um I'm looking at he struck out Fortes before that. Uh, Yuli Gurriel Yuli Gurriel started the inning with a line drive uh, to, to Ronald Acuna, 352 line drive. Uh, that was uh, I'm just looking at these pitches. That was uh, again that was a, a 95 nine. It was one one one. He got a through ball, forcing fastball 94 five. Out of the zone, way out of the zone and up. Then he fouled off one. Then he comes back with a 95-9 four-seamer that was belt high over the outer half of the plate. Now, all these are belt high, man. That's, that's you know, I mean, the, the, from just a quick glance, that's that's what I kind of keyed in on was just the height of his pitches. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like when you throw 95 lefty and you're at the top of the zone, you're going to get a lot of swing and misses and foul balls. When you got yeah. that cutter and you're at the bottom of the zone, you're going to get your ground balls. Um, but – Belt high without, you know, any sink or depth to it. It's yeah. It's that's where those ground balls turn into line drives, and you know the hitters are able to lift that and level it out and get those knocks that they've been getting off them. Um, not to dwell everything on uh, on how it ended because it was a terrible ending, but it was a good series still until that till that one inning. Um, but I thought the most encouraging thing today was a shame the rain delay it was a three hour rain delay. Yeah, it was a shame because Kyle Wright was pitching well again. Yeah. Um, and he's really looks has really looked good since he uh, came off the IL, struggled in that first start, and he's looked good since. He went three innings today, gave up two hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts in three innings. So that was very encouraging. And then McHugh, too, in his second outing, or what, I guess that's third outing now since he came off the IL, two innings today, three hits, no runs. He looked really good. So yeah. they're getting him back at the right time, and, man, they couldn't get uh, – Avis, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Izzy Iglesias starts a uh, minor league rehab assignment tonight. Couldn't have come at a better time because they have got to get him back. Uh, right. Rysel, Rysel, what did I say? Izzy. Rysel Iglesias starts a minor league rehab. He's been out since the last weekend or last week of spring training with the shoulder inflammation. He'll start a rehab thing tonight, and I would say after the way Mentor's pitching right now, they might maybe reduce – that by one appearance, however many. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me 
it would surprise me uh, at no later than right when they get back from this six-game road trip, but maybe even during Miami series down there uh, after this, you know, maybe goes out and throws one, comes back and throws – yeah, and I'd say they give them two at least, though. So it's probably when they yeah. come off this thing and uh, come back here, uh, we'll probably see him. But yeah, they, they got to get him around because they really hit McHugh. Getting him back is huge, but they got to get uh, they got to get their closer. They've done this without Russell, and they did a great job. But I think the the key guys are showing signs of. I mean, they pitched an awful lot. Their key guys yeah. have pitched an awful lot. Yeah, I mean you've seen it with Chavez too. Um, how he started off the season and then, you know, those innings kind of piled up on him. He's had a rough couple, but I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time giving into fatigue when I look back at, you know, how we used to pitch out of the pen. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten rest, you know. Yeah. I mean, the only guys that you could have even seen maybe said pitch too much early were Dylan Lee and Chavez because they pitched like 10 times a pitch in maybe the first 19 games. Yeah, and I think anytime you get up to fifty percent of the games, it's a bit much. Yeah, but but uh, but they've but he's rested them since then. Chavez had his blip and it's looked okay since. But Dylan Lee really never had. You know, he got he had one bad outing, but he looked good today. Um, I, I think he's done a good job of resting the rest of them, but they're right at that pushing the envelope on that. And by the way, when they come back from the six game uh, road trip, they got Baltimore, man, and that is not the pushover it's been in recent years. It's, it's nice when teams <laughs> kind of start turning that around, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the just yearly rebuilds that just go round and round and round, and teams never seem to get better. When you start finally start to see a team come around, I'm always just happy for their fan base. The rough thing is you're in the middle of this brutal stretch right now. You're only halfway through it because you've got uh, you got the six game road trip and a three game Baltimore series before you have your next day off, which is on the eighth. So. Uh, it's a good thing for them that the starters are all starting to step up and go deeper into yeah. games. You know that that's going to help because early on that wasn't the case when they were piecemealing it, using the rookies, using the prospects in there, and you know, and, and even Freed had a bad outing before he went on the IL. I mean, short outing, I should say. Um, so that's going to help a lot, and they can get into a normal use pattern with the relievers, and and you get Iglesias back, move Mentor back down to a setup role, and fix whatever he needs to fix. Uh, if you check back in Mentor in August. I'm sure he's fine. You know, I mean, he's got to he's got to fix it. You, you want to fix it as soon as possible, but I'm not worried about him long term. It's probably just something really small he's doing. Uh, I think taking the pressure of getting out of that role will help a lot. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse than when you're not at your best and you just are the best reliever on the team and wind up having to close. You know, I mean, that's a that's a really tough position to be in. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, um, you know, before before they imploded in the ninth inning, uh, before Mentor imploded in the ninth inning, I was going to ask you, because today was one of those days, it's a weekday, it's a chilly, rainy day here in Atlanta, and three-hour rain delay, and it's not like during a pandemic year, the only good thing about the pandemic baseball was they banged these games quickly, because yeah. they didn't want guys hanging out, and... Uh, and it's also a little harder than it's been in the past because yeah, with the two you're only two, two series, series against each team, your divisional opponents, two home two home and two road series instead of three. Right. So you can't be as quick to bang a game if you if you uh you know they're only coming back one time. You don't want those doubleheaders to stack up and you don't wanna, you know, if the my if the Marlins happen to be coming back next time when there's not a good forecast. So it's not as easy in the early season to bang games as they used to be. So but I wanted to ask you what uh when you were playing, what typically was would would happen during a such a long rain delay? Eat food. Yeah, <laughs> you especially know, for I mean, a pitcher, right? You yeah. don't. Just I, I think, yeah, you know, you're doing something. That's players. I think generally would, you know, minus the the difficulty of having to play a doubleheader later on or something. We'd always rather you just banged it quick. Yeah, there's never been a game get banged, and it wasn't like a that last day of school vibe in the clubhouse. Let's get out of here. You know, because it's it, nobody wants to sit around for two, three, four hours and wait for a game and try to loosen their body back up. And when you're on that unknown clock, you can't even time it to where you're going to feel good going into the game and, and do your stretching and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of guys trying to move and stay loose and maybe swing in the cage, uh, do tubing stuff, stretching. Yeah. You're trying to do whatever you can, but it's just basically, I mean, you're sitting around waiting, getting stiff and hoping that they announce it pretty soon that the game's going to start. And, you know, the worst the worst thing is when you're a reliever, you usually don't know if the starter's staying in the game or not. Right. And so they could you could be starting. You know, you could find out 20 minutes before you're in the game and you run down to the pen and start warming up. And just what that does to you mentally kind of throws you off. But once you get past, like, an hour, you pretty much know that – the starter's out, yeah. Right. But you don't know when the game's going to start. You don't know if or it's going to be, be 45 minutes or if it's going to be an hour and 45 or if it's going they're going to play at all. I mean, a lot of yeah. times you don't really have a good idea. Um, I guess it's really – I know it's changed a lot over because there's still the card games like there used to be, but not as much as there used to be. And I know if it's anything like pregame, what a majority of guys are doing pregame is they're in their phones. Yeah. And that didn't used to be the case, man. I, for, for guys like – who are as old as me that have been around clubhouses as long as I have, I've seen a complete change of when, and I, from when you were pitching at the early part of your career, at least before smartphones became so prevalent. Um, and, and even after smartphones were first introduced guys like Bobby Cox, and I'm sure other managers too, didn't allow them in a clubhouse. When guys no. came in, they had to turn their phones off or put them away. Oh, if you, if your phone even rang in the clubhouse, it was like, you're going to kangaroo court. Mm-hmm. They were, they, that was just the, that was one of the first rules was no, no phones in the clubhouse. If you wanted to text, if you wanted to make a call, you go out in the tunnel. Yeah. And that was just how it was. And nobody really had a problem with it. I mean, 
we didn't have a lot going on on our phones. You know, I mean, you could play that snake game. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, how long are you going to play that? Other than that, it was there wasn't all this social media and, and keeping up with people and just general, I mean, internet addiction that's prevalent in, you know, today's world. Um, yeah, that was, that was a major change. Uh, I remember Jordan Schaefer asked me to go out and eat with him in 2009. And I didn't have an iPhone yet. So I didn't really catch the appeal, but we go sit at some bar in Philly and he just looks at his phone the whole time right next to me. I was like, what is this? Why are we even, why are we even doing this together? You know, but that was like, that was just kind of like a preview of what was to come. Yeah, we were sitting in, uh, we were in San Diego standing in the clubhouse in the middle of the clubhouse, uh, Bowman, Toscano and I, and I, and I talked to Bo, I said, Bo, look, look around the clubhouse right now. There was like, I counted like 18 guys. I said, look around the clubhouse right now. And he looked. There was a one point, there was a golden tea machine going, so there were two guys playing golden tea. Yep. All the other 16 guys, every one of them, without exception, there were TVs going, but every one of them was looking at their phone, doing something on their phone at that time. Everybody in the clubhouse. And that wasn't uncommon. I mean, that's that's pretty much common. when That's what it is. Like at a home clubhouse, you know, there's only a few guys in there usually when we're in there early because yeah. they got all the places they can go. They got the Braves got a golden tea machine back in one of the lounge areas. They got several different rooms they can go in. So a lot of them hang out there rather than be out in the main part of the clubhouse where we are, you know, during yep. our hour. <laughs> so they wait until we leave to go talk to Snit and then they come into the clubhouse. But um, so I, yeah, we can't see them as much, but on the road, they're all there in the main clubhouse. So there's only like one other area, you know, the dining yeah, room. That's training it. Rumors. Yeah. Right. That's it. So we see them. You get to see what they do. And um, that's just shocking how much that's changed. And Toscano, who's a young guy, you know, he's only done this for about five years, four years, something like that. And he goes, did it used to be different? We were like, yeah, man, the clubhouse used to be, it sounded like a bar. Yeah. Guys were yelling, cussing at each yeah. other, get busting balls and shit. I mean, it was totally different. Yeah. It's quiet in there now, other than you'll hear one guy talk loud or, or yell at something that happened on the phone. I mean, on the TV or the golden tea in San Diego. But, you know, it's quiet for the most part. Yeah, it's so much harder to build that culture and connection between teammates because of that. You know, it also used to be after games. Yeah. Like, my, I got called up with uh, Seattle, and we'd have the whole team in the sauna after the game drinking beers. Yeah. Which I'm not saying was a smart move. Right. But it was, you know, all the hooting and hollering and, and shit talking and, and ribbing each other. Um, that kind of is what got you through the season. And I feel like I kind of played in the last generation of that, um, yeah. 2010, 11, 12 with the Braves. As soon as you walked into the clubhouse, you were on your on your toes waiting for somebody to start taking shots at you. And that's what made it fun. You know, I mean, that's what, for me, that's what made me feel a part of the team. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed, but I got one ear that's smaller than the other. Can't really see it. Hansky picked up on that like day two. <laughs> you know, and so he just. Like he'd, Stephen he'd bring, Colbert. Yeah, he'd bring that up. I mean, every chance he got. But you, you, whatever flaw you have in the clubhouse, yeah. it's yeah. out there in the open. That's probably going to be your nickname, and it just keeps everybody humble. You know, you feel part of the group, and and it's fun. Um, but so I really struggled with that when I went to Oakland, and that's what it was. It was just everybody on their phones, right? You know, and I thought I was going to Oakland. They're known for the craziest clubhouses. You know, the wild, wild scene, and you see all the videos on Moneyball yeah. and all that. None of it. It was just guys on their phones or doing their own thing. Um, and that's that's one of the biggest changes in the game. And really, I mean, I, I wish these guys got to experience how fun it could be. Right. Right. And I should point out, I'm not just saying it, it's the Braves because it's every team. It's every team. It's every team. Yeah. So it's not like a negative for the Braves. I mean, that is the culture that's right now. That's just what it is. 
I mean, people, we all spend so much time on our phones and that's the players and two I and mean, the players as much as anyone. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it would just been so much more fun being in the clubhouse back in the, in the day where everybody was just on each other and everything. They were, you know, not in their phones, but you know, culture changed, times change. And, and, and it's, it's a, it's an addiction, no doubt, but it's just the clubhouse that you, you have to talk in a low tone when you're in the clubhouse. Now, if you're just talking like Bo and I are talking, you got to keep it down a low tone. Everybody like you're in a library. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Or people can hear you and you're like, you don't want people to hear you because it's their clubhouse, not ours. We're guests. So right. you don't want to be, a, you don't want people to catch you, you know, hear you talking at all. You know, you want to be a flower, just a fly on the wall and don't be seen, not heard. So yeah. You got to keep it's it sad. down. Though. It's sad for me because I just those were the best. That's that's my that's what I miss is the clubhouse. Yeah, I don't miss going out there and pitching with the game on the line and not being able to sleep till four a.m. that night because I'm still so amped up from this stressful situation and I got to do it again tomorrow. And we got a day game. You know, I miss walking into the clubhouse and have yeah. twenty five guys to laugh with and get through a long season with. And you know, the games are something that you have to do, but the games aren't fun. They're stressful. Right. The rest of it's fun. The plane rides. I would assume the plane's still pr- pretty fun place to be because there's no internet. Right. And if right. there is, it sucks. So now what do you do? Everybody gets together and, you know, has a drink or laughs or does yeah. whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, that's that's what I miss most. So I wonder what these guys are going to miss most. Yeah, I'm told that it is still, the it, the plane is still not raucous, but it is still a lot more card games in the back and all that. And guys are talking more and all that. But uh, yeah. And the young guys, I mean, they don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they, what it was like. So it's not like, you know, they're missing out on anything because it's never been like that with them. So yeah, their whole I, career, professional career from minors to now has been. That's what it's been. Yeah. So I would say though, that's probably part of why you see the performance getting so high is because, you know, that, like I said, we were drinking beers in the sauna. Yeah. After a game. And, and it was the clubhouse didn't empty out for hours after the game. Yeah. When I first came into it, you know, there was always three or four guys finish up their dinner, crack open a beer and just sitting around together, you know, talking shop, telling stories. And if you left the field at midnight, there were still two or three other guys leaving with you. Now, after yeah. games, it's like, if they don't have a workout to do, shower and get out. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, it just empties right out. But they don't go out either. You know, guys don't go out and party because no. of camera phones. They can't be out drinking and doing all this stuff right. after games. So they go home and they play some Call of Duty or whatever they play. And they're in bed Video by, games, yeah. they're asleep by 1230. You know, and totally overall, different. that's a lot better for an athlete it's not as much fun. I could promise you, I think we had a lot more fun, but as far as your body and recovery and everything, you know, playing a little call of duty and going to bed at 1230 or drinking beers till four in the morning. That's why you see guys performing yeah. so much physically. Yeah. They're not dragging ass when they get to the ballpark the next day. Like they used to, no. like some of them used to. Imagine if you had a cheat code, like a greenie, how hard you could push it and still feel great the next day. Long-term it's not a good plan, but those guys weren't getting cheated. Yeah, I told I've told this story about not the '97 Marlins when Darren Dalton came over was traded over there at the deadline, and they had that, um, which at the time uh, was a clubhouse culture. That as he he called a team meeting like the first road trip, he'd been there two or three days. He called a team meeting, and they had a bunch of big veteran personality, big personalities on that team: the Bobby Bonillas, the Kevin Browns, Al Lighters, people like that. And um, he called a team meeting, Moises Alou. And and Darren Dalton said, "Just so you people, guys know, this place is viewed as a country club, 
around baseball and say, you guys will never win a world championship because it's like a country club. Because everybody would get their, get done with the game. They'd leave. They'd scatter, go their own ways. Nobody got there really early, all that stuff. Playing golf, yeah. He changed the culture like that. And like you, you were talking about hanging out in the hot tub afterwards, in, in the training room afterwards. They all started hanging out for like two hours after the game, sitting around drinking beers in the training room, sitting in the hot tub and everything. It changed overnight. And yeah. that went team went on to win the wild card in the World Series that year in 97. And and most of the guys on that team will say they would have never done it without Dalton. Yeah, and I just I just feel like the more time you spend away from the stress of baseball, whether that's before the game or after it, the more time you spend bonding like that, the more you care about each other when you go in a game. You know, like if this guy's one of your best friends in life and his runners are on second and third, you're yeah. up eight nothing. Yeah. You're still pitching like it's the World Series. And you should do that anyway, and most guys do. But it's a different gear when you care about the human, you know, and when it's one of your best friends. Yeah. Um, just getting back to, um, we talked about Iglesias is going to be back within within a week, I would say. We're also getting a lot closer with Michael Harris. He started his uh, rehab assignment yesterday at Triple A Gwinnett, and I think he'll join the team during this trip. And that's going to be big. Obviously, they've they've really done a great job filling in him for center. Because if you thought if they, if you would have said when he went on the IL that he was going to be out three weeks, you'd have said they were in trouble because they're going to lose a lot with Harris. But Hilliard's done a terrific job filling in for him. Um, but when you add Michael Harris back to the mix, if you like, I was talking to Chipper. You move Hilliard to left field, even if it's a platoon. But when Hilliard's in left field. When he's in the game, you're going to have the best defensive outfield in the majors with Hilliard, oh, yeah. Hands Michael down. Harris, and Ronald Acuna. Hands down. I mean, that's as good as it gets right there. That's three guys with terrific range, great arms, can cover everything. I mean, that's – and the way Hilliard's hitting right now, there's also three really good hitters if he yeah. keeps it up. I like what Chipper said about him too, making more contact. Yeah. You know, that, that there's a few too many swings and misses, but – Man, I just watch that guy. I watch him move. I watch his swing. I watch everything he does. And it's like the, if if something clicks, this guy's yeah. an all star. I mean, you put put a guy in the build a guy in a baseball lab. That's field. him. It's him. That's He's like six five, two thirty five. Runs like a deer. Uh, his swing it looks effortless when he when he makes contact and hits four hundred and fifty feet. I mean, he's you, uh, yeah. He's tooled up, as as Snit says. He's tooled up. And that's where, you know, the mental side of it all comes. Like, if you threw Chipper into that body right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's 29, but he's like, he's just starting to really come into his own. I mean, he had a couple of minor league years where he had like 42 homers between AAA and, and, the, and the Rockies, seven in the majors, 35 in AAA. Had a couple of years where he stole over 30 bases. I mean, he could do it all. Yeah. If he puts it together, the Braves got a steal of a trade because they didn't give up hardly anything to get him. And he's under control for four years, including this one. Everything, everything I watch him do is, I mean, he's, yeah, like you said, he's tooled up. So you get him back, you get Harris back, then it's going to press this, uh, it's going to maybe put a little more urgency on the uh, uh, Arcelo Zuna situation because everybody's been wanting, uh, you know, talking so much about Ozuna because he's just off to a dreadful start. And when you get Harris back, Hilliard's not the guy to go now. Um it's going to be interesting. I think you could still – I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do it on that one because they don't really don't have to yet. You can still move another guy. They've still got one more guy that can move down without having to be a key guy. But then you're going to get Darno back. Obviously, when he comes back, all you do is move Trump down. 
But Darno takes up a lot of those DH at bats. And that's all Ozuna is in this case, especially if you get Hilliard. Ozuna's never going to see left field. So it's right. like, okay, then you're going to have Darno taking up a lot of DH at bats. So at that point, you're going to have to look at the numbers and you know see what you think of Ozuna and whether you see any signs of him turning it around and, and maybe make that call that everybody's been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, I feel like it's getting close. It's almost just a – He's so deep into this that I don't. I don't think he turns it around without a change of scenery, right. without a fresh start, without a reset. And then you know, I, I understand the Braves fans' frustration, but once you start getting booed on top of it, pretty mercilessly. Yeah, I mean, it's before it's he. Loud. It's on his way to the box now. You know, I mean, yeah. it's one thing when you get booed after you strike out, bases loaded, but you're getting yeah. booed first inning of a zero-zero game with nobody on, no outs. On. That's. Well, I mean, that just that makes it even tougher to get out of. I don't know that I've ever heard a player being booed by his team's fans on the road like I have him. Braves fans in Kansas City, and there were a lot of them, booed him. San Diego, there were plenty there too, booed him. But in Kansas City, it was really audible through if anybody watching on TV heard it. So, I mean, yeah, it's a the situation has reached a tipping point, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think get the majority of the boos – the reason you don't see that much because the majority of the boos aren't really about his performance. I don't think it's performance plus the domestic violence thing and, and a DUI, you know I mean? It's yeah. And like we've yeah. said before, if he was hitting three fifty with six homers right now, it's <laughs> you forgive a guy for a lot when they're performing. There'd be plenty of people still upset that he's on the team after domestic violence and DUI, right? but they would be far outnumbered and you wouldn't yeah. hear those boos. Like if he's hitting, Right. I mean, because when he came back that year and started hitting a little bit, the boos kind of disappeared. We didn't hear him. And I was surprised how yeah. fast they disappeared. Yeah. But when you couple the boot, the terrible performance with two ugly incidents off the field, that's tough to overcome, man. And yeah. now it's kind of cemented in the minds of a lot of people that just want him gone. It's going to have yeah. to do a whole shit ton to, to to get past that with a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know if it's showing, possible. Like he's you not said. showing a lot of signs of life. Now he's hit a few balls to the to the track, but he's also hit a lot of dribblers in big situations and struck out in big situations, hit some pop-ups in big situations. So the crazy thing is, is this team, what's their record right now? <laughs> With yeah. Uh 17 and 17 nine and after nine. today. Uh yeah, they, going into today, they were tied for uh second best record in, in baseball behind only the Rays. So, I mean, yeah, despite uh, the, the They've played great against the teams they're supposed to beat, notwithstanding yeah. today. The only teams that they did not play well against or win series against were the Padres and the Astros, the good teams, yep. the really good, you know, especially the Astros. But uh, I think this is going to be a nice early season gauge this weekend. Four games against the Mets, head-to-head. Um, if one team loses, you know, if if the, there's, there's a good chance one team's going to win three. I don't think it means a whole lot in the no. big picture, but at least it gives you a – a better gauge of where you stand against, uh, especially the Braves are going to have their best four pitchers going, you know? Yeah. And if you go in there, like for me, you look at it as an opportunity to go in and send a message. You know, I mean, the, the Mets are aware of what you did right. last year, but if you go in there and take three out of four, right? I don't, I don't think it means a lot for the Braves, but it means a lot to the Mets, you know, when you're chasing a team and that's what used to always happen with us when we chase Philly, we we're always nipping at their heels and we go in there and get our asses kicked. If yeah. They come to yeah. Turner field and whoop our ass. And that's there's nothing more discouraging than that. If we went in and beat them, they still knew they were great. But when yeah, you're chasing a team, they whoop your ass. Yep. 
Yeah, I shouldn't say the best four because I can't say that uh, Bryce Elder is better than Kyle Wright. Um, Bryce Elder's pitched great so far this year, yeah. though. Uh, but Kyle's pitched really well the last two times out. But the Braves have got uh, – I mean, you're going with uh, Freed, Strider, Charlie, and Bryce Elder. I think Elder's going to end up pitching – Scherzer, I think, will be they get they've been TBD for that last for the series finale, but that's the game Scherzer which should be eligible to come off, and I'm sure we'll Just probably nobody see else him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that we're going to see their best. Uh, Braves are going to see their best starters as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, the Mets have not played good ball so far. Not very, I mean, they're okay, but not uh, not what they expected. But they're without their closer for the whole year, so you know they're they're certainly not going to feel sorry for the Braves. No, but it is it is going to be huge getting Iglesias back. Huge, huge, and uh, you know, you, assuming he's anywhere near what he was last year after the trade deadline, because he was terrific, and it allows you to slot those other guys down where they probably belong. Yeah, Cam was talking to me about it before we started. If it's like a closer thing for Minter, and I didn't want to give it credit when uh, you said it on our last show. You know, it's something about him just not being able to step into that closer role, but. You know, it, it's almost it starts to become a thing when you struggle in it, and mm-hmm. it, it's also if you come in in the ninth as a closer, you're facing whoever comes up. There's never that situation where, hey, this is a bad matchup in the eighth, and we're going to go with somebody else for the first out and then bring you right. in. It's all you, and right. I for me, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just bad timing for him and a bad time to slump. But at the same time, taking that pressure off when you are doing, yeah, when you are struggling, would be a good thing. Uh, everybody in the division, by the way, going into, I think, a couple teams played tonight, I'm not even sure, but looking at the standings in the last 10, four of the five teams in the division are five and five in their last 10 right now. <laughs> the Phillies are seven and three in their last 10, uh, but the Phillies are at 500 right now. So are the Marlins now. And I'm not, you know, it's funny because it brought the Phillies last year and I was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. But they were below they- 500 a lot of the year last year. They're in this division too. You know, it's not just Braves and Mets anymore. And they're getting Bryce back a lot earlier than we thought. Yeah. When we, when the Braves play them up there, the Phillies are probably going to have Bryce because they're getting him back a lot sooner than than expected because he's going to play first base. Mm -hmm. So when the Braves go up there, I think they're going to see him. That's huge. I mean, adding that back middle of the lineup. Their pitchers, if some of their their stud pitchers have not pitched well early, but you know they're going to get it together, starters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right now the Braves two and a half up on the Mets. Braves uh, taking that ten and two road record out. Ten and two on the road, five and five at home. One of those anomalies that'll straighten itself out, I'm sure. But yep, yeah, it will. So anyway, yeah, what a disastrous end to the uh, relatively speaking. <laughs> Still, it's just baseball. It's not a disaster, but that's just a horrible way to end a, a, what had been. A sweep where they would have felt so good on that plane ride going to New York after a sweep. I'm sure that's crazy though. Everybody always says how hard it is to sweep a four game series, and it is no matter who you're playing, no matter what. You, and you can were be up four nothing outs. in the ninth with your closer in and lose five four, four run lead, three outs away. Marlins showing no signs of life whatsoever on a cold, dreary day when they sat around for three hours. You're six hours after the game started. And they mount this four run rally, five run rally. That's stupid. That's baseball. I mean, nothing, nothing sums it up more than that. It's a unique game, man. Anyway, it's uh, it's going to be a big series this weekend, and we'll we'll talk to you guys from up there, or after we get back from up there, after I get back from up there. Um, 
it's going to be a fun one, I think, this weekend. Hopefully the rain cooperates because or the forecast cooperates because right now it's got rain in it for Friday and Saturday, which does not look good. Uh, they don't need any more of that. No. You spend a lot of rain delays, I'm sure, in New York, right? Seems like there's always one up there, this time of the year especially. I felt like Turner gave us the most. Yeah, New York always had something Philly going always on. had – Philly did. New York, there's always some kind of delay. Philly – I mean, and that's – you asked Northeast. about those clubhouses. I remember the clubhouses – you were stuck in a lot, you know, At during the old ballparks. Yeah. Yeah. But Philly, Philly had quite a few. New York seemed to always have, it's like every series you get some kind of late start or, or delay. But for me, I think at Turner Field, all those damn rain delays we had so many times playing that game, you know, 11 o'clock at night, you're in the fifth inning. Oh my God. They would start them so late, especially when Frank Graham was a GM. He would say like, yeah. we got a window at 11. <laughs> Went around for four hours. That's everybody's least favorite phrase when you're sitting there is we got a window. You had that putting green at uh, Turner Field, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't play golf back then. Yeah. The John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, addition to the clubhouse. We'd all go into uh, – that was when Phil Falco was a strength coach. And, you know, it's crazy. Even a strength coach can build chemistry. But you'd have 15 guys piled into that little office of his. Just yeah. talking shop, waiting for the game to start. Yeah. Yeah. The Golden Team Machine is pretty cool. I don't play golf either, but that Golden Team Machine is – it seems pretty realistic. Guys love that thing. Yeah. They're addicted to that thing, man. I was yep. watching them in San Diego. We can't watch them in Atlanta because it's in a lounge, but in San Diego, it's right there in the clubhouse. So we're watching them, man. They get after it. Chavez is awesome at it. I bet he is. You should see him just nail like 20 foot putts. He's like, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he probably has one. He has a. He has a shop in his house that's full of a golf simulator and video games and a bunch of old, old school custom cars. He probably spends a lot of time out there. Jesse, all right. Well, we appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for watching us, and uh, we'll do it again early next week after the after the Mets series. All right. 755 is real. We are out. Thanks. Mm-hmm.